0: welcome back to arguing with the internet this week we're talking about simulation theory That is, whether or not we're actually living in a simulation. I'm sure you've all seen plenty of this going around on the Internet. Uh, Today, we're going to look at a few of those arguments. We're not going to have time to look at all of them. But we found a few that I think offer like a fairly large breadth on the issue. Louis, you have the first one.
1: Yeah, for sure. So this one comes from Cora. And uh, it's responding to a question, what is some good evidence that our universe is a simulation with evidence in quotes? Mm -hmm. So this person answers, the most compelling evidence for the idea that we live in a simulation is made up of two parts. First, due to the rapid advancement of technology, it seems reasonable to assume at this point that one day it will be possible to make simulations that are indistinguishable from reality. Second, it seems reasonable to assume that once capable of creating a simulation indistinguishable from reality. Many such simulations will be created. It even seems reasonable to assume that within these simulations, more simulations will be created. This means that in a universe where simulation is possible, there will be uncountable numbers of simulated universes, simulated universes making the possibility that we are in the base real universe slim to none. And so, yeah, I think I want to go over this one because this is, I think, kind of the standard argument for uh, the simulation that no, we're living in a simulation. This is something you see this you know, is, a lot on the internet. So it's definitely something worth talking about. This is
0: like the standard, reasonable argument, right? Uh, <laughs> that yeah. you see within what might be considered like respected circles. This this argument comes from a philosopher at Oxford, Nick Bostrom. Um, right. Though he's not cited here. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> But but yeah. But, do you want to walk us through the argument then in general form?
1: Yeah. No, I think it's good to go over Nick Bostrom's Bostrom's formulation of it, um, which comes from his twenty uh, sorry his two thousand three paper. Um, so he sets up a trilemma, which is a situation that has three options you can choose from. And so, you know, before getting to that, he assumes that technology will continue to increase at a rapid rate, mm-hmm. and particularly computational power so the ability to for computers to make calculations and to do so with more speed and do it cheaper with smaller amounts of space smaller amounts mm-hmm. of some material so assumes that'll keep going and so at some point you can imagine as this poster says that we'll be able to create uh, simulations of human beings that are basically just like us or simulations of worlds that are just like ours or at least very similar and those simulations could include conscious beings. And so this is where we get into the trilemma, the three options. So the first is that uh, no humans or human-like species will ever get to this point to create those types of simulations. Mm -hmm. Because maybe people will kill each each other with nuclear
0: warfare, or for whatever reason, they'll never get to that level of technological progress. Right, this is the annihilation hypothesis, right? There there just aren't any advanced civilizations to that degree for some reason or other. Scary.
1: Right yeah it's it's I mean it seems possible and but it's it's not really the option you want to choose right um the second option would be that uh humans or human like civilizations could get to this point where they could simulate individuals but they just won't for some reason they will choose not to mm-hmm. for instance so like it could be that the ethics of this like maybe everyone who gets to this point will think it's immoral to create simulations yeah um, or maybe there could be some other reason but for yeah, you know, there's some possibility that these
0: individuals would just elect not to, even though they could. Right, they have the capacity, but choose not to for some reason.
1: Right, and that one, you know, at least intuitively, it doesn't seem particularly likely. Um, you know, anytime there's a technology where someone can do something revolutionary, that like, someone's going to do it. I mean, someone like put use CRISPR to edit human <laughs> right. genome, uh, even though you know it's enough everyone considers it basically unethical. Right. So,
0: so, you need so that leaves the last possibility. All advanced oh, civilizations ahead. across the entire universe to come to the very same moral conclusion, right? Which, right? which on its face seems unlikely. But but Bostrom goes even further, right? He says something like, um, even if most civilizations did agree, you really only need a handful of civilizations that don't agree with that kind of ethical principle to get this third possibility up and running. Uh, so the third horn of the trilemma then. Right,
1: so and this one people humans other human like civilizations do create simulations um of worlds like our own or similar with conscious beings in them and if that happens then the number of simulated beings would outweigh the number of real beings in our universe and so the implication is that you're more like more likely to be simulated than not because right. You know, if the first two horns of the trilemma are not true, then the number of possible beings that are simulated far outweighs the number of beings that are conscious beings that are in this world. And so just the numbers game, if Mm -hmm. you're playing the numbers game, you're more likely to be simulated. Right.
0: It's almost by the numbers inevitably true that you're simulated. Right. There's just far many more simulated minds than not. Right. So. From this seemingly um, harmless assumption that, oh, well, computational power will continue to increase, perhaps at the rate that it's increasing now, and thus our capacities for representing the world will increase as time goes on, we get to Mm -hmm. this interesting conclusion that maybe our entire reality is simulated. (laughs) It's it's an interesting move. Um, And there are... Not just Bostrom, but others. Uh, there are reasonable people who think along these lines, uh, even scientists, right. right? Not just not just out there philosophers, right? But uh, scientists as well. Uh, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. is in on this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh,
1: Elon Musk, you know, has famously said, you know, he thinks it's very. Of course. Likely that we're living in simulation. He's not a scientist, but you know. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of public figures have have made that case. And it is, it's a really interesting argument because the, the conclusion seems on its face to be pretty ridiculous to say, like, because this sort of thing is possible, you can imagine people being simulated, mm-hmm. that it's almost certain that we are simulated. Um, right. But, it, I mean, it is you know it's it. you know so it seems ridiculous but also it has a lot of persuasive power i mean there's a lot of,
0: like we just said there's a lot of people who do buy into this argument yeah that is an interesting point to make that without having established the possibility or the presence of any kind of simulation whatsoever we we go from this conceived possibility to a claim that you are almost certainly a simulated being right that There does seem to be an issue there, jumping from that kind of conceivability argument to an argument about, well, like our actual existence, right? Right. Um, I mean,
1: one issue that we, we haven't talked about. So, I mean, we talked about the assumption of this technological progress, this computational power increasing exponentially. So, there's been instances of that where... You know, like the number of transistors you can print on a circuit board of a Uh given size increases exponentially. It keeps doubling every so often. But, you know, it obviously can't do that forever because at some point the transistors would get so small that electrons couldn't go through them. Um, And so, you know, maybe there are some limits there. Maybe you won't keep having this increase in computational power. Um, But the other assumption that's very important here is that you can simulate conscious beings, Mm. which... I think Boethius takes to be, you know, not very controversial. I think he says actually that most people, most philosophers, believe that. But I'm not sure that's actually true. Um, but yeah, that is a pretty big assumption.
0: It's a fairly big assumption. the The claim as to you know what most philosophers believe. I'm not sure that counts for very much, as that goes in and out uh, depending on the decade you're looking at. You know what what's going to be true in ten years is probably not what's true now. But what he's referring to, yeah, things is, go in and out of fashion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A view like functionalism, which doesn't situate consciousness as uh, anything that has to be in any particular kind of matter. Like, it, it you could have consciousness in a brain which is organic, or consciousness in I don't know like a set of computer chips interacting in a certain way right which is inorganic Mm -hmm. uh so long as they are performing the right kinds of functions they get to count right as, as conscious beings with that kind of view in mind and it is a decently popular view um yeah i suppose hypothetically a simulated being could be conscious that doesn't then mean that we'll have the technological capacity to make them it's just that if they did exist the functionalist might be willing to say, "Sure, they're conscious," but you bring up a good point. Uh, is it possible for us to produce uh, simulated consciousness? Right, creating a simulation that has no genuine consciousness in it is probably much simpler, I would imagine, than producing a sort of dormant simulation. Right, I'm not even sure what would be gained by having genuine consciousness in your simulation versus, um, just a sort of dormant simulation altogether, right? When Bostrom is talking about simulations, he, he is framing them within the context of these advanced civilizations, being able to learn something about their, um, ancestors, right? Their Mm pre-advanced ancestors. That's really the purpose of these simulations, uh, in Bostrom's example, though, of course, you could create these simulations for any number of reasons, I imagine. Um, it's not clear to me that it yeah, is necessary. That is something that's a little... Yeah. yeah. That is something that's a little weird, I think, about the papers.
1: It talks about ancestor simulations, mm-hmm. which, you know, as you said, you're trying to... You could see people building these simulations to understand about their how their ancestors lived or mm-hmm. basically to replicate mm-hmm. the world that we have now or that we had in the past, which is... Um, now, it seems kind of weird now. I don't think most people really latch on to that anymore. You can think of it more like a, a video game or like a scientific, also like a scientific simulation. Like you might simulate, you know, the climate patterns and to learn about mm-hmm. uh, how the climate works. But you might just make a video game like The Sims, but it's more complex and the mm-hmm.
0: uh, individuals have consciousness. Right. So there's any number of reasons you might create a simulation. uh uh, to serve for right um another thing we should note is that this is not the only kind of simulation theory out there right and this kind of simulation theory that bostrom is throwing out uh the people within it are themselves uh simulated right the consciousnesses Mm -hmm. that in here within it are themselves simulated beings um but there are other kinds of simulation theory that do not posit such a thing and, and perhaps because of that require far less to get off the ground. Uh, how that shakes out metaphysically would be interesting to discuss. Uh, think, for example, of popular films like The Matrix, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In The Matrix, you have a simulated reality, uh, but nevertheless, the people that inhere within it are not themselves simulated, right? Perhaps their presence within the simulation is simulated but they exist in what you might call base reality right they they exist Mm -hmm. outside of the matrix as well uh so it's really just their experience that is simulated rather than uh themselves right um so there's multiple ways at getting at this notion of living in a simulated reality the distinction between those two kinds of simulations i think will probably bear on our future discussions uh, about these other, I
1: think it's a a very important point to make because I think people kind of conflate those things when they're talking about really being a simulation as like a computer simulation versus, you know, the matrix or, you know, representations like that. I think people kind of go back and forth or aren't super consistent, but they are completely different implications. Mm -hmm. So like you were talking about with simulated beings being, conscious or not you know that's not something you have to deal with if you're you're in like a matrix style simulation you're just people are plugged in um and then something we'll probably talk more about later well like having knowledge of the outside world like maybe that's more possible like if you if you are simulated in a matrix like simulation it's easier to think you could have like some knowledge of what the real world is like whereas Mm -hmm. if you're in a computer
0: simulation maybe uh things are a little different One way uh, using this distinction to go after Bostrom, right, remember he tries to say that the the second possibility of the trilemma is likely not to be mm, opted for, because really you just need like one or two civilizations who actually do engage in this simulation creation to get the argument off the ground, right? Plus, it's unlikely that all advanced civilizations across the universe are going to adopt the same moral principles governing whether or not mm-hmm. it's okay to create uh, ancestor simulations or not. One way of suggesting that, well, m- civilizations that do develop technologically to this extent uh, always opt not to do this kind of simulation creation could just be that it's far easier to plug real people into a simulation right and therefore there's Hmm. there's no reason to go that extra mile of creating consciousness for the purpose of the simulation right um if it achieves the same task and is less effortful then why would you not go that route right so there could be a reason that still involves simulation even uh that shows why yeah, most civilizations don't pursue this kind of uh, deep simulation where the beings within it themselves are simulated. Right, I can see that. But I do think at the same time, if
1: if you do have this technological advancement where, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, if you had a, a phone that had the computational power necessary to simulate conscious beings mm-hmm. or beings that are like conscious beings, then, you know, if you if you have access to that technology that's widespread enough, it seems like somebody would do it unless there's something like preventing them from
0: doing it. Right. So, you, so even you, if there are right. alternatives, you still get to yeah, it. still you just need a game. small amount of people. Right. Yeah. It's, it's always the numbers game. the universe is so large. There's gotta be at least one advanced civilization. That's going to do it. Right. And if mm-hmm. there is, the idea goes, you're going to get this exponential effect, right. Um Where right. there's going to be so many, Of these simulated realities that it's still more likely that you are not in base reality. You're in some kind of simulated universe. Yeah, that's fair. Should we move on? I do want to... Well, one more thing I want to touch on. So
1: you talked about if you make a simulation, like, let's say you do like an ancestor simulation, you're like simulating exactly how history Mm -hmm. progressed with people in it, let's say. You would make the point, like, why do these people need to be conscious? Why can't you just... Mimic their behavior, for instance, without having that consciousness, maybe it'd be easier to do that. So, again, that's people that have people have different views about what consciousness is, why it exists. Is it necessary? And so for some people, it might be that in order to simulate. (laughs) (laughs) You have that option also. Does consciousness even exist? (laughs) Right. Uh, But for some people, they would say that if you have something that, you know, is acting like a human, acting like a being that's conscious and responding in a way Uh Um, that a conscious being would, then they basically have to be conscious. Like you can't get that sort of behavior uh, without consciousness tied to it. Um, but other people would disagree with that and say you could get the behavior without the uh-huh. consciousness. So, it, you know, so it's still not clear. Even if you, even if you live in a world where you have simulations uh-huh. that there's individuals in there that act just like us um, and everything is exactly like our world, let's say you still wouldn't know that they're conscious, but people with different views about what consciousness is would, you know, Right. Have different opinions about whether those individuals are even conscious.
0: The idea that you could not uh, fully, uh, I don't know, model a conscious being without there being uh, legitimate consciousness there. I I kind of see the appeal, but at the same time, when you're making arguments that rely on this uh, potential for computational power to be so great that we can replicate worlds or realities I think that kind of argument falls by the wayside, right? Like, if we're if we're going to hypothesize that level of advancement, why can't we uh, successfully model the behaviors of uh, conscious beings without the models themselves being conscious? It just seems like, a, is it a limit of computational power, or is there some kind of quality of consciousness that can never be modeled? Uh, and if that's the case... Mm we're going to have to get clear on what we're talking about because if you can't in principle model the thing, I'm not sure that you can even tell me what it is. Yeah, there are
1: people who think that biology is essential to consciousness. So uh, the way John that Cyril. people typically think of, yeah, <laughs> John Searle famously. Um, but there are people who think, you know, that if you can get a computer to, You know, computers have zeros and ones. Let's say, and then humans have uh, their brains have neurons that fire or don't fire, and that's like kind of the similar thing. And so, you can model neuronal firing Mm. or whatever it is about the brain that is important for consciousness. You can model that in a computer. Whereas, whereas there are some people who think, like John Searle, that uh, no, there's something different about biological systems. There's something essential about the biology. that doesn't matter how much computational power you have, you would never be able to True. be conscious being out of that's, something other
0: than biological. Books. That's fair, but you're also not going to create a simulated consciousness of John Searle's right. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So I think we have a no. decent grasp on what this simulation theory is and how you might argue for it from this more like high theoretical point of view, right? It just seems that by the numbers, So long as computational power goes on increasing, it's very likely that you are in a simulation. Why? Well, because it seems like one day it will be possible for, or it already is possible, for hyper-advanced civilizations to make these kind of civilizations. Uh, These simulations, sorry. Um, And if that's true, there's going to be so many more simulated beings than genuinely real beings which means when it comes to you, it's more likely that you are simulated than you are genuine, right? That's more or less how the argument goes. Uh, right. so yeah, yeah, I think we can move to the, the next argument here, Matt. All right. So this is a question posed on Reddit. The question is, how are we not living in a simulation? I like the phrasing of that, right? <laughs> how are we not living in a simulation? Um, okay. Uh, the reply, that idea isn't physics. It's not a theory. It doesn't contain a mathematical model that would make any predictions. It doesn't make any testable predictions at all. It's just nothing. It's an unscientific shower thought. It's certainly on no way close to being a cosmological model. It doesn't attempt to be, and it isn't intended to be. It's a bit of a cancer on physics forums with laymen coming in calling it simulation theory and assuming it's an actual theory, taking it for granted or even strongly advocating it themselves. But it has no place in physics. It isn't physics. There is nothing to look into. There's no there, there. So the notion that we should take the simulation theory is clearly being (laughs) uh, threatened by this person, right? Uh, This person's equating it to nothing more than a shower thought. But they do give a few reasons as to why we might think that. These reasons have to do with what we take scientific theories to be, right? How we typically evaluate a scientific theory or even qualify a thing as a scientific theory. Some of the things that this person mentions is that it allows for prediction right uh that it is in some way perhaps falsifiable right there there's many Mm -hmm. different ways we can talk about what it is to be a scientific theory in general and what it means to be a good scientific theory after that and it seems like simulation theory could fail on at least some of these grounds to even qualify right so right yeah it's
1: a. It definitely doesn't seem to fit the notion of a scientific theory, because uh, at least as most scientists today you know, understand it, a theory does have to be falsifiable, as you said. Mm. Um, so there needs to be some evidence that one could uncover that would uh, prove the theory to be false or would right.
0: make you uh, abandon that theory. We have to know what it and means for the theory to be false. Right. We have to be able to right. say what it would take to show that the theory is false, even if we never really encountered that thing. Um, right. Yeah. Cause you,
1: yeah, there needs to be the possibility that you could prove it false. Right. Uh, otherwise it's pseudoscience, uh, pseudoscience operates this way. So if you, you know, if you try to disprove, uh, extrasensory perception or something, sure. people would just say, well, oh, like you're not doing it right. Or, right. You know, th- those scientists weren't in the right frame of mind or they're not looking for the right frame. You could always explain it away. Exactly. Which, uh, Makes it not a scientific theory um, and yeah this person's obviously dunking on uh, the idea of the simulation theory uh, for those reasons, uh, but it it does bring up a question of you know whether something like this has to be scientific in nature even falsifiable to have value uh-huh. so I think you know, you know a lot of things that we care about you know are not our know, ways of thinking about the world uh, our moral values. Um, they're not falsifiable necessarily. Like you can't uh, put them to the same kind of scrutiny that you would a scientific sure. theory. It doesn't mean it's not valuable necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I wonder, uh, what do you think? Do you think you, this, the simulation hypothesis or theory, whatever you want to call it, do you think you can have value even if it's not falsifiable?
0: Well, the notion a- about, <laughs> okay. So the discussion you're, you're trying to have here, um, Is whether or not things outside of science can be valuable, right? And it Mm -hmm. seems like today you more or less have to say yes. You know, maybe in like the early 20th century, that wasn't universally held, right? We had like the logical positivists who notoriously Mm -hmm. argued for a form of scientism to an extreme degree such that anything that wasn't uh, frameable within a scientific context, literally lacked meaning, right? Not just value, but meaning didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, most of us today have eschewed such notions and are willing to say things like, okay, no, non-scientific things do still get to mean something. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think most of us do share the intuition that non-scientific things can be valuable, right? Like think about art and fiction and things like that. There's, There's no hope of ever falsifying the claims, if you want to call them claims, made in these kinds of expression. Nevertheless, they can have value to us. But what I think this person is kind of correctly getting at, at least in my anecdotal experience, is that the simulation theory is not posed as a sort of interesting idea that has value just in the sense that it I don't know causes us to think a bit rather it's posed as a genuine option that we ought to seriously consider right it's it's brought mm-hmm. into the same sphere as as he describes genuine cosmological theories right uh, that are falsifiable at least in principle right um, so sure it could have value even if it doesn't conform to our scientific values. Uh but you don't see like a poet, for example, trying to advocate for the value of their work within a scientific form. Right.
1: And I guess, yeah, you know, we should probably back up because uh yeah, you know, some people do claim that you can falsify the simulation oh, theory. Sure. So yeah, you know, but sort of assuming that you can't, but You know, people do like to make the case that um, very educated people, physicists, um, some of them will say that there might be things about the universe that you could uncover that would show we are living in a simulation. Mm You know, for instance, something people point to is like, uh, let's say like the Planck length, like the smallest amount of space you can have. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's it's. You, know, you could have an infinite amount of space, let's say an infinite amount of divisions of space. But the fact that we have like uh, fixed links, uh-huh. you know, that could indicate that the makers of the simulation are saving uh, computational power or people will make that case about other like laws of physics. Or maybe you see this is something we'll talk about later, but like glitches or like weird phenomena right. that could indicate. Uh, the brand of simulation,
0: perhaps, but but so even that's... then, that would be confirmatory evidence, not falsifying evidence, right? Mm. Uh, to falsify the simulation theory, you need to be able to conceive of a situation in which uh, you experience something or uncover something that leads you to believe, "No, I actually am in base reality." And here's why mm. the simulation theory cannot be falsified: any test that you go to perform to to deduce whether or not this is real reality or a simulated one could also be simulated. There is always Mm. a story that's going to be available to the simulation theory to put the results of those tests firmly back within the simulation and continue the problem down. So it is, in principle, unfalsifiable. There is no way of, of figuring out for sure you are in base reality even if right even if you are in the matrix style situation right where you do exist outside of this simulation you might think oh well if someone unplugs me and i wake up in base reality covered in mucus and whatever the people in the matrix are like covered in in those pods uh Uh, If I wake up like that, surely I have just discovered that my former reality was simulated and this one is now real. No, not so fast. What if your realization covered in all this muck is also simulated? You still have not gotten into base reality. It's a double matrix, right? There's (laughs) always room for more simulation. And so it's not falsifiable. There's no way you could ever falsify the view.
1: Right. So even if like God came out and said, This is base reality, I'm God. Like made you absolutely uh-huh. certain this is based reality. Right. That could still be simulated. Oh yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Great job to the right. to the designers, the engineers of the simulation, right? They they fooled you. They got you. Uh yeah.
1: But I think this is um I think this is actually a good point to talk about like other kind of arguments that work to the same effects. Mm. So like Global skeptical arguments like those that like Rene Descartes (laughs) has made about, you know, how do you know that you're not dreaming or how do you know an evil demon isn't tricking you into having beliefs that are false? Um, I think in one sense, the simulation argument works just like those kinds of arguments as a way to say, hey, not so fast. Like you think you know something what if we're in a simulation or right. what if you're just dreaming or, right
0: so descartes, um there's a more modern take on that descartes is not himself a skeptic though the methodology he uses to get to his conclusions is a skeptical one uh what lewis here is talking about primarily is the dreaming hypothesis right the the evil demon is another mm-hmm. fun argument that he throws in the mix later but uh to sort of provoke doubts about our knowledge of the external world, you know, the world around us outside of our consciousness, Descartes invokes what we now call the dreaming hypothesis. Simply put, it's just the idea that all the experiences you're having now might be the result of dreaming. So you could be asleep and dreaming all of this. The idea is that if it's even conceivable for a dreamed experience to be just as real in terms of feeling as a genuine Uh, awake experience then we'll never be able to tell whether or not we're dreaming or currently awake and if we're never able to tell then we do not have the right the evidential right to conclude that we know anything at all about the external world so the simulation argument is making somewhat of a similar move right well you can't really tell if you're in a simulation or not because uh, we can conceive of the simulation being uh advanced to such a degree that it's impossible to tell, right? And thus, you cannot currently conclude that you are not in a simulation. Add on to that this notion of there being more simulated possible entities than non-simulated entities, and now you've got the conclusion that it's likely you're a simulated being, right? Right, so that's the I think that's the really interesting thing about the
1: simulation argument is that not only has this element of uh, being a skeptical argument mm-hmm. where you can say, you know, how, you, you're not, you can't really be sure of anything. It could be in a simulation, just like we could be dreaming mm-hmm. or you could be dreaming. So you can't be sure of anything, but it also has this added element of trying to say something about the world. Like, no, we actually are in a True. situation. Um, it is. A and it, and it has like an, yeah. And it has an era of plausibility uh, that I think the dreaming hypothesis and the evil demon tricking you uh idea uh maybe don't have. Like it seems like it's something that is maybe a little more likely to, to happen. It can maybe make a greater case for doubting uh you know really strong beliefs. because mm-hmm. uh, you never
0: know for an assimilation. Right um, Right. Uh yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh I think the point that this person's making. It's got some ground, but I think you're right to press on this like I think overall what you were pressuring at the beginning was that this person is valuing science in such a way that we might call scientism, right? If it's not coming out of science, then it's not worth listening to more or less. Um, mm-hmm. at least where explanations of reality are concerned. Whether or not we ought to be uh, committed to scientism, is an interesting conversation that we could hold. Um, a lot of philosophers today are committed to some form of scientism, um, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the right view. Uh, yeah, but
1: I do want to be fair. This uh, commenter did post in the cosmology subreddit, so very fair. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, so it, it's not just their comp- like necessarily being anti, right? Simulation theory on the, on the basis of like scientific perspective. It's not like they're doing that for no reason. It's probably that people are posting to the subreddit. Yes. You know, where people want to talk about like real science and people are putting right. in the simulation theory as if it's real science. Right. And so that, so
0: the simulation you know, theory masquerading as a scientific theory, I, yeah. I certainly understand could be frustrating to people who care about doing actual science that produces, um, uh, uh Predictions, right? That's the other big thing that he mentions, right? Is that a a scientific theory ought to yield predictions. In other words, it ought to mm-hmm. uh, facilitate explanations that are going to allow us to make sense of the future, to make sense of other phenomena, right? And it doesn't seem like the simulation theory, the simulation theory does that, right? It just tells us, well, this is one way the world could be, okay, but that doesn't yield anything for me in the future that doesn't yield any explanatory power for me right i think that uh
1: segues well into the next yeah if you want to get into that um so this one comes from twitter there's two commenters the first one says finish this sentence the simulation hypothesis is blank and then someone responding says irrelevant a waste of time and thought if you exist within a holodeck and there is no way to dispel it or to perceive it outside of rare errors that can all be attributed to misperception that in every single way that matters, that is your reality, Finn. So they're basically arguing that, you know, it doesn't matter if what you think of the simulation hypothesis is, you know, if, if we're in a simulation or if we're not, it's basically the same. Like, you shouldn't... It's not worth worrying about, essentially.
0: Right. There's... uh um conceivably nothing that you could do about it all of the experiences that you've ever had have been in this simulation presumably and therefore it is your reality for all intents and purposes right uh for those of you who aren't nerdy enough uh to understand the reference right the hollow deck is a thing that comes out of star trek right it's uh Mm -hmm. it's a room that simulates an environment a story conscious beings etc um so yeah, it's just another form of simulation. Uh I think there's room to object here though, right? This is this is where we can bring back in that distinction between matrix style simulations and simulations in which the conscious beings are simulated themselves. Right? So mm-hmm. take take the second first, <laughs> right? If you're in a simulation where you are genuinely an aspect of that simulation, your consciousness is entirely entirely simulated. I think this person has a point. There is nothing of reality outside of this for you. There is only this. As being part of the simulation, it's inescapable for you. So in a very real sense, it is your reality. Anything that will matter to you is here, right? But if you're in a matrix-style simulation in which you do exist in what we might call base reality then that's not necessarily the case you might have very real concerns about the reality that exists beyond the simulated one because you in some sense exist there right so it's not clear to me that this is um always true further because in the matrix
1: style simulation you know you could get out of the simulation maybe you would have a better life or maybe a worse life like the people in
0: the the movies did (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) <laughs> well, that depends. Whereas, how, in the, how far the, you uh, prioritize or value freedom and that sort of thing, That is
1: true. Um, but uh, sorry, I forgot what point I was going to make. But yeah, and oh okay, yeah, and the if you're simulated in the sense of you're a part of a computer simulation, yeah. there's nothing to get out of that. Like you can't go beyond.
0: Right. That. So like you're kind of, you are, as you said, you're stuck in there. Right. And that is your reality. So you are stuck, but I suppose there is another way that this person could try to motivate this idea. Uh, or there's, there's another way that you could try to, I'm sorry, argue against this person's claim. Even if you are an entirely simulated being, if you're an entirely simulated being within one of these ancestor simulations, you do if, if you know about the simulation, have some concerns about base reality. Namely, for instance, that the designers or the facilitators of the simulation do not turn it off, right? right. You are concerned to some degree with reality outside of the simulation if you were aware of the fact that you're in a simulation, right? Um, so I'm not sure that it's immediately clear uh, that it's true that your concerns are limited to your simulation if this is, if simulation theory is to be mm. seriously considered?
1: Well, I, th- I think that could assume, like, let's say you knew for certain you were in a simulation. You were, like, a part of a computer simulation. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's, it still assumes that you know what base reality is like if you think you, your behavior in the simulation mm-hmm. can influence, like, whether the creator's going to turn you off or give you a bad life or something like that. So I've heard people make an argument that If you believe in the simulation hypothesis, then you should try to lead an interesting life because (laughs) the creators probably value interesting people, interesting experiences over, you know, if you're just doing boring stuff, maybe they'll turn you off. Or um, uh, another possibility is that if we get close to making our own simulations and we are in a simulation ourselves, then maybe the creators would turn us off because that's going to use too much computational power. Uh. So maybe we shouldn't try to make simulations. But all of that assumes that you know what those people are like and what they value. Right. Which is, you are know, assuming they're like you in some sense. Right. But, you know, who knows? It could be completely different.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a fair point. But I think what the point gets you is that it's not clear what to do with your interest beyond the scope of your reality. Right. That doesn't mean you can't have an interest in what's going on beyond the scope of your reality. I can still... Mm have an interest in whatever exists outside of the simulation, not ending the simulation and thus my existence, right? Without knowing anything about them. Uh, I think that's still feasible, but it is true that you from within the simulation, presumably can't know anything for certain about base reality, right? Because all of your experiences will be simulated experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's,
1: yeah, beyond like a specific behaviors, I think, yeah, if people did know they were in a simulation, it would change the way people acted. Like, even if it's just, yeah. You know, Presumably. It would change people. It's like religion. They might have like a re- religiosity or like, you know, there's like a mystical kind of element to it. Like, there's an unknown mm. parameter. Like, we don't know what base reality is like. And that can change the way people perceive our reality uh, completely. Maybe not in a specific way. Or predictable way, uh-huh. but I think that would really mess with people's minds. Um,
0: Perhaps, so I think they would have to be strong reason to believe that they are in a simulation. And I think where this person right. is coming from when they're making this comment is the position that we are all in now, right? Where the only reason you might have for thinking you're in a simulation is most likely some kind of high theoretical argument like bostrom's right not a deeply felt intuition but some kind of like well well reason suggests that blah 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 okay that's not really going to motivate any of these kind of deep concerns that you and i have been talking about right um so from that perspective if this is a simulation i think There is something to this person's point, right? It it doesn't really matter at this point. We're still living our lives the way we always have until there is some kind of critical experience that demands that we attend to the possibility that we're in a simulation, right? I'm not sure that it counts for very much, the possibility. Uh, But what is dangerous about that claim for the simulation theory is we already saw with the last... mm, argument rant right that we considered right it seems like simulation theory might not have much scientific value at least as a hypothesis uh but as you argued you don't it doesn't have to be a scientific theory or hypothesis to have value well now Mm. this person seems to be challenging its value even outside of its context as a scientific hypothesis right so uh, we're running out of room for the simulation theory to have, you know, real reason for us to care about it. Uh, now, all of this, of well, I course... I think you could
1: still always fall back on the, the argument, the simulation argument as sort of a skeptical argument. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has value in that sense. Uh, and a lot of people don't care about philosophy and think <laughs> philosophy is a waste of time. So maybe you wouldn't convince a lot of people. But I do think as a if someone's saying like, we know this thing for certain you could say, well, we could be in a simulation and mm-hmm. base reality could be completely different. Like, how do you know we're not in a simulation? And like, I think it's relevant and useful at least in that way. And then it
0: may have some utility above that. You know, in it's making it a positive claim. Perhaps I, I see where uh, you're going, but the, the thing is that kind of skepticism, uh, is like a double-edged sword, right? It, it cuts both ways, right? It, it's If you accept that kind of skepticism to the degree where you're going to challenge any and all possible claims with, well, we could be in a simulation, right? And therefore you can't claim this with any degree of certainty. Like, okay, but whether or not we are in a simulation falls prey to the exact same arguments, right? So in the end, you don't get to use this tool, this bludgeoning tool uh, in a way that somehow leaves it immune to harm. Right. No, it's also the case that we cannot assert that we are in a simulation. And if you're right in in using the the tool of skepticism this way, you'll never be able to. Right. And it's this idea of, oh, well, it's likely we're in a simulation. No, that falls out, too. Right. Even even assessments of probability, those fall out. So if you accept that kind of skeptical argument, which I do agree with you, there is room. Uh, There is room for these things within philosophy. Um, you're going to end up shrugging your shoulders about practically everything, right? Uh, sure. Is this true or false? Eh, can't say one way or the other. If you're being consistent, that's the key, mm-hmm. right? If you're being consistent. Now...
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: fair. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mentioned that um, if we don't have any particular kind of immediate experience that would lead us to take the prospect of simulation theory seriously, that this person might have a real point, right? Uh, This person that you just read might have a real point in saying, well, it's it's not really doing much for us, right? We're living reality in the same way we always were. Just because you have this view of a potential scenario doesn't change anything. But there are people who suggest that... They do have such experiences, right? That they mm-hmm. encounter things uh, that lead them to believe that this is in fact a simulation, right? Uh, so for this, I think we can turn to the next one, right? Yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What you found, man. <laughs> so within simulation theory, as a community, right? Maybe not. So this is entirely separated. I want to make clear from Bostrom's view. Okay, this is this is Mm. we're now entering into the realm of the internet rather than the ivory towers of Oxford. Okay, Um, so there is this notion of glitches and other kinds of phenomena that seem not to be consistent with reality if reality were taken to be base reality. Right, the only thing that could feasibly make sense of them is if we were in a simulation, right? Okay, so this person within the Simulation Theory subreddit describes an experience of one such glitch, right? Here's here's what they have to say. I have had a few incidents that took place as a child that have been witnessed by family members and others. The one I can remember very vividly was even I was around seven years old. I woke up from sleep and did not know where I was, My parents came to me and were trying to tell me I was still half asleep, but I said to them, where are my kids? I can still remember their baffled looks. I kept telling them that I didn't know who they were, and I had two children. I remember also saying I was 27. My parents finally got me to sleep and sent for some religious man to come see me. I've had many encounters like this, which I just put down to strange occurrences, but now after many years of studying philosophy, science, and studying myself from an outside perspective, the simulation is real. The glitches in me were my moments in me trying to make me realize the truth. Okay, so the idea is aberrant experiences, experiences that cannot be explained away through our normal means of understanding reality... Might count as evidence for simulation theory, right? That's the idea here,
1: right? So, you know, as we discussed earlier, it's hard to to think of a way to falsify the simulation theory, but plenty of people think they have evidence of the simulation theory from a right, um, you know, they think they have a verification that we are living right, or
0: it's simulation. not verification, like uh, reason to think that is far more plausible than it might have appeared, right. Uh, right. And these things, you know, the example that I that I just read is a little out there. I think we can all admit, but mm-hmm. the number of these kinds of stories is uh, it's surprising, I would say, at least on the Internet. Right. There are a great number of people saying similar things, um, especially when you start clumping them into more general phenomena like the Mandela effect, that I'm sure many of you have heard of, right? Where the Mandela effect is just this sort of experience of something now that does not seem to correlate with remembered experience. But importantly, it seems to be a shared phenomena, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. be very surprising if I am just misremembering something, right? Like, oh, well, I seem to remember Fruit Loops being spelled differently than I can see it is on the box, right okay maybe i just misremembered the reason why the mandela effect is supposed to be compelling is that many people report having the same experience right so it's this kind of uh through being socially validated uh an aberrant experience that base reality might not be able to contend with right
1: right i think so
0: you know so for me like
1: you know i think these types of arguments fail from like two, there's two different ways of thinking like why they fail. Cause like the explanation is too interesting and not mm-hmm. interesting enough. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Sure. Cause there are, there are more boring explanations for these phenomena right. and there are more creative explanations that people don't seem to turn sure. to. So like, for instance, a boring explanation, but let's go with like deja vu for instance. Sure. That's something people also point yeah. to. Yeah. That's something, you know, in the matrix, that was a, where the glitch comes from. Yes. Like if the machines changed something, there was deja vu. So it could just be, you know, something simple like your brain or your mind has like a recognition system where you identify if you've seen something before or experienced something before. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, many animals have this sort of basic system of recognizing things. And then maybe it goes off acts ex- like when it's not supposed to. Right. So you're in a situation that is new, but your brain, for whatever reason, triggers this recognition mechanism. And you're like, oh, I've seen this before, but I haven't. Like, so, you know, there's this right. incong- incongruence there. So, you know, something simple like that could be happening. Or on the other hand, there could be another explanation that's also wild, outlandish, but does not uh, invoke a simulation Mm -hmm. hypothesis. Like maybe, you know, like uh, Descartes' evil demon. There could be an evil (laughs) demon that's playing tricks on you and making you have weird perceptions. Right. Uh,
0: Well, I I I don't think um, we even need to go that far. Right. Like the evil demon hypothesis, which you've mentioned a few times, is this idea that. Uh, there could be, if there were a being who was omnipotent and was willing to deceive us, that they could deceive us about anything, given that they're omnipotent, right? So the idea that two plus two equals four, right? We could even be deceived by that if they were truly omnipotent. So because you can't say there is no evil demon, there is this concern that, well, you might be deceived about everything, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. There is no evil genius, right? Um, But I don't think we have to go that far, right? It's, It's been held amongst some cultures and some peoples for a long time now that you might have uh, remembered experiences from past lives, right? So Mm -hmm. the specific glitch that this person is talking about sounds a lot like the way people report those things, right? Like uh, when I was seven years old, I remember I had an experience of being 27 and having two kids, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, that why does that have to be explained by appealing to simulation theory when you could appeal to the notion of past lives as well? They're both sexy views, right? You're they're like outside of currently accepted science. So why one over the other, how are you going to make your mind up as to which one of these, uh, sexy non-scientific views to go with? Right. And it could
1: be other, you know, you know, millions of other possibilities. So like, you know, aliens could be, you know, shooting ray guns at you to play tricks on your mind. Right. Uh, Scrambling your or you could be like in such a way. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's an infinite number of explanations. Right. So, like, why point to this one specific? I mean, you have a weird phenomenon, weird experiences. Right. Why is it most likely that the simulation hypothesis is real right. and not any of these other, you know, more scientific or even non-scientific right. explanations?
0: Yeah, it's not clear that any kind of experience that we might consider aberrant, aberrant just meaning not normal, right? Uh, It's not clear that any aberrant experience could confirm any one theory specifically, right? It seems like they're going to confirm equally any number of possible theories. Some of them, as you said, are not going to be as... You said interesting, but I don't think that's fair. I think you know the neurological explanation of deja vu is interesting in its own right sure maybe it's not flashy you know it's not sexy Mm -hmm. in these ways but um (laughs) because you don't get to talk about simulations or ghosts or past lives or anything like that but still there is it is fascinating that uh you could have experiences like this because of a neurological phenomena right that's that's interesting um But yeah, any kind of apparently aberrant experience is going to provide uh, confirming evidence for all sorts of views. The boring sort of neurological view, uh, any number of other exciting views like past lives or evil geniuses or uh, simulations or aliens playing pranks with ray guns, right? There's... (laughs) uh, there's all kinds of ways in which you could try to account for these aberrant sorts of experiences.
1: Yeah, I think another issue I have with this, uh, you know, something I brought up before, is there's also sort of like creativity in thinking about base reality. If we are in a simulation, people kind of just assume, for the most part, that the base reality is like our reality. Sure. Like it's people like us who made a simulation of people that are like them. But. You know, there's not. I don't think there's any good reason to think that. I mean, you know, for one thing, we could make a simulation that's very complex of a two-dimensional world. Yeah. And maybe we can even make conscious beings in that world. Um, but, you know, and if those individuals were conscious and they thought about simulation theory, they would obviously think that the people at the next level up were in a two-dimensional world. Because right. they can't conceive of a three-dimensional world. Right. And so something similar could be happened where maybe the laws of physics or the laws of causation or anything right. in base reality could be substantially different. And so any current sort of evidence you find in this world of the simulation, uh, you know, how, how could you possibly know right. what the computer programmers in the next world right. would be doing?
0: Yeah. Right. It also presupposes that you know quite a lot about the reality we live in, whether it's simulated or not. In order to properly claim that an experience is aberrant, You, in some way, are saying that you have ruled out all competing hypotheses that it's not, right? You are effectively saying this cannot be explained in any way local to this universe, right? And Mm -hmm. that is a pretty strong claim to make, right? That's a pretty strong claim to make. In fact, I'm not sure it will ever be possible to make such a claim, though maybe I'm mistaken.
1: Right, because the world could just be weird. Like, right, it could be
0: like if something super outlandish
1: happened, like there were a wormhole opened up and like a bunch of you know zeros and ones flew out <laughs> of it, or you know any anything that could possibly happen right. that might th- make you think there's a simulated universe.
0: You could, could easily just you know another explanation could just be oh, the world's weird. Yeah, like build, sometimes build the weirdness into happen. the world, uh, the weirdness yeah. into the world. Yeah uh the people people who go in for this sort of mandela effect kind of thing by the way some of them say it supports a notion like simulation theory but others do come Mm -hmm. out and say it's because the world is weird right the world is Mm -hmm. weird in such a way that science doesn't currently appreciate so i mean yeah there's there's many ways to be creative about these kind of aberrant experiences whether or not they even are aberrant um leaping towards simulation theory seems like a bad move, right? And so I'm not sure that these kind of experiences, as compelling as they might be to those who are experiencing them, really do much to give the view any credit. Right. So looking back then, simulation theory, right? (laughs) Uh, It seems like the most reasonable way of getting there is based on this probability argument, right? And the probability argument is based on this notion that we are getting more and more uh, complex computation uh, and that we therefore will have sufficiently advanced computation in the future to produce these kind of simulations. That's already a contingent claim. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. true that that is the case, right? It's not even necessarily true that a simulated consciousness is even possible, as we've heard from John Searle. <laughs> uh, so it's not immediately clear that we even get to the probability argument to begin with. But even if we do get to the probability argument, it still doesn't hold with necessity that this world is a simulated one. Even if you grant Bostrom everything he wants... And you mm-hmm. say, yeah, okay, it seems like we have to accept the conclusion that most conscious beings are simulated. It does not hold that you and I are simulated. It might hold that by right. the numbers we're likely to be simulated. It doesn't mean we are. And if there's still the chance that we are in face reality, even granting all this Bostrom stuff, going back to the kind of Descartes uh, external world problem, we don't have the room to confirm one way or the other. We don't have the room to suggest one way or the other. And so the positive assertion that you are in a simulation, I think is unearned. At the end of the day, I think it's unearned. I think
1: that's a yeah you know, very important point. So like yeah, you know, like you said, if you do grant uh, Nick Bostrom everything that he would want, let's say. Let's say we know for certain that let's say we live in a world where human beings have created simulations mm-hmm. and let's say we even know that they're conscious somehow. And we have, let's say, you know, a trillion people in base reality and we have a, th- you know, a quadrillion people in that are simulated. Um, So just by the numbers, you take, you know, a trillion divided by a quadrillion mm-hmm. or you know the inverse of that, whatever, <laughs> you know, you get to the number of, you know, if, if uh, based on that, there's way more people that are simulated, you would say, okay, there's like a 99.9 or whatever percent sure. chance uh, that we're simulated. Um, even that, yeah, I don't think that works because that's, you have some privileged knowledge. Like, you know that those beings are simulated mm-hmm. and you, as far as you know, are not. So it seems weird to put the simulated beings and yourself into the same equation and just do the numbers that way. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I see it's it's compelling in certain ways, but it is kind of a a strange Mm -hmm. assertion to make. And that's giving uh, the simulation argument people like everything they want, which they're still, you know, it could be that we can't simulate conscious beings or, you know, any of these other possibilities are are still out there.
0: Yeah. So simulation theory. mm, uh, Currently, it doesn't seem like there's any great reason to to go in for it um but again importantly that does not mean it's false <laughs> right as with <laughs> many things uh in this channel we conclude by sort of leaving it open but not necessarily compelling right um
1: right. certainly possible a great
0: skeptical argument
1: and it's a very interesting argument um but yeah, I don't know if I buy it. Like I'm honestly amazed that certain people think it's like a 100% chance that we're simulated or like a super high chance. I think that's mm-hmm. a little much. I could see how you would think it's like a, you know, a
0: strong possibility or like a moderate possibility, right. but one thing I like yeah. that that we didn't really touch on is that these sorts of arguments typically rely upon Uh, how wide the universe is and and therefore how many advanced civilizations there must be when we consider the expanses of space, right? They use this kind of notion uh, as we saw with, with Bostrom's second point, right? Imagine that most civilizations have adopted some kind of ethic that prohibits the creation of these kind of simulations. Okay, well, all Bostrom needs to say is, but there are so many advanced civilizations that are feasible, that at least some of them it's conceivable would have still done it. But then when it comes to uh, evaluating how many conscious simulated beings there could be versus how many real beings there could be, suddenly you're not making the same move. I thought Mm. we were considering the vast expanse of space and therefore allowing that to inform our probability I mean, uh, why stop now, right? Why must it be the case that the total number of simulated beings would exponentially outweigh real beings? Uh, I'm not sure that that is necessarily true, um, especially, especially if it turns out that creating such a simulation is so demanding of resources that maybe you only produce one or two conscious beings in your simulation. Who, who, who's to say? Right. Um,
1: right. I mean, it could have, you know, an alien. well, yeah. So, I mean, it does rely on the idea that there are aliens out there. There are other human like civilizations of course. And based on how vast the universe is. You know, it seems plausible, but there could be, you know, maybe some of these conscious entities, their primary drive is to create more of themselves. And like, so they're too distracted by procreating and making more conscious entities in base reality. Right. That they're not concerned. And so that does change like the equation. And then, yeah, it, it you know, it could be that we could create conscious beings, but maybe it would take, you know, a computer the size of Jupiter or something. Mm. And so, you know, if it doesn't become the case that we could do it with, you know, something like a cell phone or something that a lot of people would have access to, then maybe it's prohibitive in that way. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of assumptions and, you know, a lot of thinking you understand, like how the world works, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is unwarranted.
0: Right. So I think... In any case, we want to say something like, simulation theory, interesting, not currently any robust reason for thinking that it is true. Think that it's possible all you want, right? That seems fair enough, but it doesn't seem to be any reason currently, at least I think as far as you and I can see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of people that vehemently disagree with yes. us but I mean I think I'm we're on the same page
0: here. if you are one of those people feel free to voice your complaints your harassments in the uh in the comment section. Uh maybe we'll respond at some point. Uh but for now yeah. I think that's that's all we've got. Yep, that's it. See you next time. Right, see you next time.